0: why don't we go ahead and open up in our Bibles to Philippians 4.1. If you're a visitor this morning, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Chance Sumner. I serve here alongside Pastor Jesse, and we're so thankful that you're here. Our mission at Community Bible Church is to know Christ, to see Him, and to understand Him, and to come to Him as the answer to All of your problems, all of life's problems are ultimately related to Christ. And if you know Him, you have everything. And we want you to know that. We want you to treasure and to love Christ above all. And as a result of that love, our mission is to make Him known to the world, to our community to the state of South Dakota and to the far reaches of the world our mission is to know Christ and to make him known Pastor Jesse will be in the foyer after the service and if you're new here he would love to meet you and talk with you we're thankful that you're here now to our passage this morning dear friends we're making progress we're in chapter 4 starting in chapter 4 today, verse 1. I want us to look at, go to 312. I've mentioned this a number of times before. This will be my last morning mentioning it because we're moving out of this section. Above 312 in the ESV, I preach from the ESV Bible. There is a copy of the ESV Bible in the chair in front of you. Right above 312 in the ESV, there's a, Subheading, and that subheading says straining toward the goal. And if you go to 4 1, Philippians 4 1, below Philippians 4 1, it says exhortation, encouragement, and prayer. So according to the ESV, we're transitioning from this section of straining toward the goal, we're transitioning to a new section. 4 1 is the last section. Verse in this section that we've been discussing perseverance. For one is Paul's last comment about perseverance. And what Paul says here, I think, summarizes very well what we've been discussing all along. Perseverance is about the attitude of keep going. In life in general, and in the Christian life specifically, we experience difficulty. That's something that we can all agree on. No matter where we come from, no matter our political affiliation, we can all see and agree that life is difficult. We regularly experience bouts of discouragement and distress. And the Christian life is no different. In the Christian life, you will run into hurdles that you have to overcome and jump over to pursue Christ. And perseverance is the attitude, perseverance is what we do when we experience difficulties in our Christian life. With every difficulty comes the option of saying, you know what, I don't want to keep going. I'm going to drop out of this race. Christianity begins at a certain point when we come to Christ, but it continues through our whole lives. Perseverance is a very important topic. And we all have these difficulties. And this is Paul's last comment about the difficulties of life, about the struggles that Christians have. What are we to do? Specifically the question that I want to answer this morning is what is it that motivates us in perseverance? What is the wind in our sails? What is the gas in our tank as we run the race? That's the large question. And the main idea, as indicated by the title of this morning's sermon, the main idea is that what Paul teaches here. What motivates us, what keeps us going is the love of Christ. The love of Jesus Christ. Something you've probably heard a lot, but something that can never be repeated too much. Let's read the passage together. Philippians 4, 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. That's our passage this morning, just one verse. And I have three points from this verse that are going to build this large idea of standing firm in Christ's love three points for you and they're going to build on one another so it's important that we make the connections of the points in order to understand the broader idea and the first point is this is the most apparent point about this passage write this, it's Paul's love Paul's love the main idea in one is going to be the commandment there's one command in one. And that command is stand firm. Stand firm. That's the main idea. But we see in stand firm, there's a lot of other stuff that's said. Specifically, what we see here is we see Paul pouring out his heart for the Philippians. 4 1 does not just say stand firm in the Lord. We have these terms of endearment that Paul applies to the Philippians. And there's a number of them. Like we're going to go through each of them. And I want us to see Paul's affection, his love, his heart for the Philippians. What Paul says first is, My brothers, my brothers. Paul here is talking to the Philippians like they are his family members. Now, if you're reading in the ESV, you'll immediately notice that there is a little footnote here after brothers. And if you look at the bottom of the page, the footnote says, or brothers and sisters. And this is an important point that needs to be brought out. Oftentimes, when the Bible speaks of brothers, Paul is using language that refers to men but he does also include women and his sisters in Christ. Paul here is using masculine language like we sometimes use. Mankind. If I say mankind is this or that, I'm referring to both males and females. And if you look at 4.2, I want you to see this. I want to show you in the text why I believe this and why this is the case. two, Paul begins talking to women. I entreat Eudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now, the question is is Paul moving in 4 1 to talk to only males and then 4 2 to just talk about these females? No, that wouldn't be a proper interpretation. Paul is including these women in 4 2 in his commandment in 4 1. So Paul here is talking to the whole congregation, he's talking to all of the Philippians. And he is addressing them with this term of affection, that of a brother and a sister. And this highlights the large biblical idea that in the church we are family, that our relationship is as intimate in the church to one another because of Christ, is as intimate and close as a brother and a sister. We are related to one another because of the Father's adoption of us. So, this is a term of familial affection. And then Paul says, Whom I love. Now, this word in Greek, excuse me, this English phrase in Greek is actually just one word. And that word occurs at the end of 4 1. Paul says, My beloved. It's the same word here for whom I love. And beloved. Paul loves the Philippians. He doesn't just tolerate them. He doesn't just do what he does because Christ told him to do this. Paul loves these people. Paul loves them so much that he refers to them as my beloved. You oftentimes hear that term in the context of romance a husband will say to his wife he will refer to her as my beloved husbands that might be a good way to refer to your wife and Paul here has that type of affection this is not a romantic affection this is an affection of Christ that Christ died for these saints and therefore Paul loves them whom I love and long for The book of Philippians is a prison epistle. Paul is not with the Philippians. He's writing them a letter from afar. But Paul wants to be with them. His heart is for them. Distance is making the heart grow fonder for Paul. He wants to be with them. He longs for them, is the idea. My joy and crown, I take what Paul is saying here. To be something akin to what we oftentimes say our pride and joy one's pride and joy in life is the object of one's affection it's what someone thinks about and longs for that's what paul is saying here his boast in life his very reason for living is the philippians term of endearment after term of endearment after term of endearment. Paul loves the Philippians plain and simple. He does not just bear with them. He does not smack them around with an apostolic stick of authority. Now Paul does have that type of authority, but he does not use it with the Philippians. Paul does not couch his commandment in terms of authority. You do this because I tell you too Paul does not say that This is a heart of affection from Paul to the Philippians Paul loves them That is an easy takeaway from this passage Now we transition to our second point and our second point is this First point was excuse me first point was Paul's love Second point is Christ's love Paul's love, Christ's love So here I'm making a transition From Paul to Jesus Okay? From Paul to Jesus The only indication that we get of Jesus in this passage Explicitly Is whenever Paul says stand firm thus in the Lord So Paul does mention Christ here But I want to bring out a way that Christ is in this passage, although it doesn't look like that explicitly. And to do that, we need to see how Paul talks about his heart for the Philippians elsewhere in this book. So go to Philippians 1, 8. I want to show you something that should illumine our interpretation of 4.1. Philippians eight. Look what Paul says For God is my witness Okay, Paul here is being as honest as he can be This is the truth of the matter, Paul says How I yearn for you all With the affection of Christ Jesus For God is my witness How I yearn for you all With the affection of Christ Jesus Now in 4.1, is Paul yearning for the Philippians? He is. He says he longs for them. What is the theological basis of 4.1? Or in other words, why is it, based upon Philippians 1.8, why is it that Paul manifests these terms of endearment towards the Philippians? Why? What's the ultimate reason for it? The ultimate reason is found in 1.8. And the ultimate reason is this. Paul's affections for the Philippians are the affections of Christ himself. The terms of endearment that Paul applies to the Philippians... My beloved, my joy and my crown, whom I those whom I long for. All of these terms of endearment. They ultimately do not find their origin and basis in Paul's heart. Paul is expressing them, but he's expressing them because Jesus expresses them. Paul here in 4.1, Paul is a window. Paul's heart heart in 4.1 is a window into Christ's heart. Yes, Paul does love the Philippians. Yes, Paul does have these feelings towards them. But there's a reality behind 4.1, which we get a peek into in 1.8, that the passage is really about. The passage isn't so much about Paul's love for the Philippians. The passage is about Christ's love for the Philippians because of what Paul says in Philippians eight. Paul's affections for the Philippians are the, quote, affections of Christ Jesus. This is how one commentator puts it. The love that Christ has for you, Philippians, this is from Paul's perspective, The love that Christ has for you is also at work in me for you. So Paul here is a conduit. He is a means by which Christ is expressing his love to the Philippians and to you. When we read Paul, when we read his epistles, we don't revere him for his own sake. Paul is important because he points us to the main reality and the main reality is christ so i want you to see these steps i'm taking i want you to see based upon eight, that paul here is a window into christ's heart the paul the love that paul has is a reflection of christ's love so in order to understand the passage better We need to get a better picture of Christ's love And there's so many passages in the New Testament That we could go to to better understand this A passage that I want to take us to though This is not necessarily the most explicit But it is a very powerful one Let's go to Matthew 11:28 And see what Christ himself says about his love For sinners, for saints Along the way Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And in this passage, we're going to see something tremendous. There is only one passage in all of the Gospels in which Christ talks about his heart. There is only one passage in all of the Gospels that Christ talks about his own heart and this is the passage Matthew 11:28 it's actually not 11:28 it's 11:29 but we'll start in 11:28 this is Jesus talking come to me all who labor and are heavy laden how many of you are that like that amen amen come to me all who are All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What makes this passage so tremendous is that we get a picture into the very Heart of Christ his very nature his deepest affections what is it that gets Jesus out of the bed in the morning out of bed in the morning that's the type of idea here and we see here that his heart is one of grace and mercy and affection and love the invitation in 28 is for all those who labor and are heavy laden to come to Christ. Now to be to labor and to be heavy laden means to have something on your shoulders, to be weighed down. In this passage specifically, in the context above it, Paul, excuse me, Jesus here is talking about the burdens that the Pharisees lay upon people this laboring of works righteousness, but you can extend it beyond that. There are many things that weigh us down in life. Many things. And in perseverance, in running the race, and in following Christ, we experience this daily. We have these weights on our shoulders. We are heavy laden. We are burdened. And what does Jesus say to those who are burdened? He invites those who are burdened to come to him. Jesus' greatest joy is whenever sinners come to him for refreshment and grace. And all of this is based upon Christ's heart for you. How does Jesus describe his heart here? Does he say I am demanding and authoritative? No, he does not say that. Does he say that I am joyful and happy? No, he does not say that. Those things are true. Jesus is authoritative. Jesus is joyful. Those things are true. But that's not the focus here. The focus is on Jesus' heart being gentle and lowly. What that means is that Christ lives to take from you your burdens and your sins. Christ's MO is to be gentle and lowly, approachable and understanding, kind and sympathetic, empathetic and infinitely compassionate. That's his heart for you. That's what brings him joy. That's what makes him so great. Is that his purpose is to take our burdens and to give us rest. That's Christ's love. That's his heart. That's his affection for you. And what Paul is pointing us to in one is this. This is what Paul is pointing us to. Christ's compassion and his desire to take from you what it is that burdens you. Your sins and your sufferings. Your difficulties and your distractions. That's Christ's heart. Now let's take this understanding back to 4.1. 1. Turn with me back to Philippians 4:1. Paul here is showing us his Paul here is speaking of Paul's love for the Philippians. Based upon 1:8, we see that Paul's affections that he has for the Philippians are actually the affections that Christ has for the Philippians. So in order to better understand exactly what type of affections Christ has for us, we went to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28. To see his heart. To see that his heart is gentle and lowly for you. So now with that understanding, we go back to Philippians 4.1. Going to the command, okay? This is the third point. Stand firm in Christ's love. This is the commandment. This is the whole idea of the passage. This is what I've been trying to get to by going to these different passages. Stand firm in Christ's love. Let's read the passage again. Therefore, my brothers whom I I long for, excuse me, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Focusing in on stand firm thus in the Lord. Let's break it down. First is thus. I take what Paul is saying here. He's, He's bringing his argument to a conclusion for this section. This is the last commandment Paul gives for this section on perseverance. He's bringing it all together. He's bringing this passage together and he's bringing the section together. That's what the thus means. Stand firm. This is what this verb means to be firmly committed in conviction or belief. To be firmly committed in conviction or belief. I want you to notice the difference of metaphors that Paul is using in 4.1. If you look at 3.13, so in 4.1 we have this idea of standing still in strength. Don't move type of idea. And in 3.13 Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. What type of language is that? That is that of running a race, of running, going forward, making progress. Now the metaphor in one is different. It's not one of progress. It's one of staying in place, being fortified and strong. And I think a good way to illustrate this Illustrate this metaphor, this type of instruction for one. Think of a battering ram and a door. You think of police trying to make an entrance into a room and they have a battering ram or you go back to the medieval era castles and they have these large battering rams which they try to smash a door down with. In this illustration... We, the commandment, is for us to be like this door, this gate, to be strong. And the battering ram are the things that harm us and hurt us. You think of death of a loved one, discouragement, sin, the devil. There are many, many ways that we can be battered in this life. Discouragement. And the Christian life, what it's like is to take these blows one after another. One after another, discouragement and despair, knock us down, knock us back. And the commandment here is that when that happens, you must stay strong, fortified, committed in your faith in Christ. That's the idea, it's one of strength. It's not one of running. It's not one of chasing after a goal, although that's true earlier. The focus is different. The focus is on withstanding attacks, being strong when you're battered. That's the idea. And bringing this all to a conclusion, the whole sermon, with this little prepositional phrase right at the end of Stand Firm, Stand firm, thus, in the Lord. In the Lord. This prepositional phrase connects so much of what we've been talking about. It really connects and makes the whole sermon. The way I want us to take this is this. Stand firm in Christ's love. Or, what it is that motivates us to continue on to continue taking these blows of discouragement and cancer and death. What it is that keeps us strong is the love of Christ. An illustration, another illustration. Let's say that you're a Christian mother. You love Christ with all your heart. but in your life you have one or two of your children who don't love Christ the bible refers to this as a prodigal let's say you're a loving mother you pray for your children every day your heart breaks for them you love them you've done everything that you can you you can to show them the love of Christ and your heart's deepest desire is for them to know Christ too. That is your heart's deepest desire. But what has happened over the decades is that you've prayed faithfully and yet you've seen no fruit. You've seen no fruit. You've seen no outcome of your prayers. It's just been a battle of fighting discouragement over and over again. Like a battering ram, this, this discouragement hits you over the weeks over the months over the decades over the years and you become weary and this illustration can be for any type of person but mothers feel this in their hearts for their children and it's so easy to give in to the discouragement and to say you know what god doesn't hear me i'm just going to stop praying That is a temptation. You're battered by these rams of discouragement. And so what you should do, what you need to do, dear Christian mother, is you have to be strong. You have to stay committed to praying for your children even when circumstances do not seem favorable. You have to stand firm. You have to be fortified. You have to be strong. And your source of strength can only be Jesus' gentle and lowly heart. What it is that keeps us going in life as Christians, as a Christian mother, is the love of Christ. His compassion for you. His love for you. His desire and understanding of your situation. He lives, dear Christian mother, to strengthen you. And to take from you your burdens. To take from you what it is that makes you feel down. And what he offers you is fortification. And rest. And strength. All because his heart for you is gentle and lowly. And the specific point of application. Pastor, what can I do this week to stand firm in the love of Christ? This is how I'd like to encourage you. I've mentioned this book before, but I want to mention it again. This, this book, you'll see the title, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. This has been one of the best books I've read in a long time. This book is specifically about what I'm talking about this week. I want you to buy this book and I want you to read this book. And we actually have some copies out on the book stand for you for you to take up and read. Order this book, read this book and meditate upon the truths that this author speaks of. To persevere dear friend, we have to withstand the attacks of the enemy, the attacks that come from our own self, the attacks that come from outside of us, we must stand firm. And our ultimate source of strength is the love of a bleeding, dying, and rising Savior for you who lives always, To make intercession for you. Stand firm. In the love of Christ. Will you pray with me? Gracious Father. The gift that Christ is to us. He is the God man. Who has come. To give us life. And his sole purpose. is to honor you by taking away our sins and burdens. What a gift we have in Him. Father, I pray that we would see Him, that we would see His heart, that we would see His love, that we would see His compassion and His grace and His mercy. And God, all of our walls of defense, would shatter and crumble and that his heart would fill our hearts and that we would be able to stand firm to be fortified and strong to withstand the attacks that come from inside and outside of us father i ask and pray for your encouragement of the saints for your encouragement of Christian mothers who so often and who so fervently pray for their wayward children. Strengthen them in your love, Christ. Fill their hearts with your heart. We thank you for this time, Father, and for the study of your word. Bring about your good purposes in us. In Christ's name, amen.